How is God using you in your world? How is God using you to love and communicate his gospel? Um, to help people to understand his saving glory in your world. I don't don't know about you, but I have family. Anybody got family? Huh? Anybody got neighbors? You know? And anybody got workmates? You know? Any of y'all got friends? You know? Listen, folks. Those that know Jesus need to be encouraged. Those that do not know Jesus need to know him. Amen? Amen. Now, let me help you understand something. You don't have the ability to do this. You don't have the ability, to use a biblical term, to evangelize. Does everybody listen to me here? Okay. I was brought up under the Roman road, the spiritual law, John Maxwell's plan for salvation, all that kind of stuff. The reality is, you don't have this ability. Are you listening to me? But... Jesus Christ through you, he does have this ability. We've got to understand this. But my question this morning is, are you attentive to this? Are you focused each morning, Lord, I don't know how you're going to use me today. But Lord... However you want to use me, I'm really good with that. Are are we listening? Are we listening? Because what's happened in the church is we've become one big entertaining show. And we're not impacting a lost world. We're not. The statistics show that these huge churches, all they're doing is sucking the life out of small churches. They're not winning the lost. I love all your friends and family that go to church. I don't want them to come here. Do you understand what I'm saying there? You know, I want us to take the love and grace of Jesus Christ out to a world that has no clue. Are we, are we open to doing that? Are, are we open to that? Don't lie to me. Don't play church. I want you to really think about this. I want you to truly think about this and be honest with yourselves. Has God dealt with sin in your life to get you away from the distraction so that you're ready... To take the love and grace of Jesus Christ to a lost and hopeless and helpless world. Let me help you with something. 
when you begin to do that, that will be more effective than all the psychotherapy and meds you could ever get. See, the problem with too many Christians is we supposedly get saved, then we kind of sit on it. We're not actually walking and doing anything with it. And then we wonder why our problems never get better because we're stewing in them. Are you with me? We're just kind of stewing. And, and, and listen, if you don't have a present problem, Satan will remind you of the past. Anybody else ever had that problem? You know, ain't nothing really bad happening in my life. Yeah, but what about this? Remember what they said to you? Remember what they did to you? You ought to go punch that sucker. No, I'm just kidding. But you hear what I'm saying? We must be attentive to our call as Christians. And our call as Christians is to, by the grace and power and authority of God, go make disciples. I hear people say, well, I don't know how to do that. It's easy. Take the grace that God has put in your life and just take it out to a lost world. Ruth was talking this morning about a lady she's kind of connected with and friends. And and what I told him is, guys, you have to understand something. A lost world has no one. A lost world has no one to say to them, hey, want to go to Starbucks, get a cup of coffee? That's a million dollars to people that nobody does that kind of stuff. We're in a church, we're spoiled. You know, nobody pays attention to me. Well... Start paying attention to somebody else. Do you understand what I'm saying? What a, what a powerful opportunity we have. Amen? Amen? You know? And I know sinners are jerks. Amen? We, we don't say much because a lot of church people are jerks too. But sinners are hard to understand. Don't tell anybody I said this, but Sinners cuss. <laughs> now, if you're so lily white, soft, and tender that you can't handle a good cuss, you need to grow up. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, I, I and you don't sit there and say, "Oh, I don't use language like that." Oh, just, just, just hush, because you may not use that kind of language, but you're sinning in your life too. So just hush. You know. When God wants to, now I want you to hear this. When God wants to deal with somebody else's sin, he will do it perfectly. When you try to do it, you're going to jam up their spiritual lives. You know, I have seen this all of my church life. I've had people walk up to me and tell me stuff, and I'm like, man, you better get out of my face. Do you ever have somebody tell you about your sin? You know, because I don't know about you, but I'm... I'm a theologian. I tell them, you get the stinking log out of your own eye, and then we'll, do, we'll deal with the toothpick in mine, Jack. Amen? Amen? Don't do that. You're not there to do that. The Holy Spirit will convince them of sin when it's time to convince them of sin. Amen. Man, stop that. You just show them the love and victory of Jesus Christ in your life. Baby, that communicates. Amen? That communicates. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Okay? Last week, I just want to catch everybody up that 
some weren't here last week. But we talked about Matthew 1. And Matthew 1, 1 to 16, talks about the fact that Jesus' family was nuts. I mean, honestly, my family's crazy. I know about your family. Some of you are looking at me like, I can't relate. Yeah, right. You know. I got every cuckoo in the world in my family. They'll probably listen to this and be calling me this week. But, but seriously, you know, and I, I want you to understand, Jesus did that on purpose. Uh, we've got to understand, we're dealing in a sinful world. We're not dealing in a righteous world. We're not dealing in heaven. You know, even in the church, you're not dealing with heaven. All right? You're dealing in a sinful world. Okay? Get used to it. The reason the church is not reaching a lost world is because we like to covey together all us lily white, pure, holy, perfect people together so we don't have to touch that dirt. Right? You know, and it's safe here. People don't cuss here most of the time. At least out loud. You know, people don't say things that are bad and mean here. At least out loud. So we covey together, but friends, that's not where we grow. And this is not our call. This is a place to come to be encouraged. This is a place to come to connect. This is a come to a place to come and maybe bring people where they can kind of learn and see the love and grace and power of Jesus Christ in its, in, in its fullness or whatever. But the reality is, and this is what the church is missing. This ain't about, Christianity, Christianity ain't about you. It's about Christ and us living in the image of Christ. And when he came, Jesus didn't sit in church. I'm totally convinced if Jesus came back, Jesus and the boys wouldn't even go to church. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Not this. It might, he might come to this if we were training to go out there. But my question is, are we serious? I know you got to say it to me, so I think you're serious. But the reality, are you really serious about going out there? You know, you could say to me, but the, you can't say that to God. God actually knows your mind and your heart. And we have to become serious about this. We have to become serious about this. And we need to know that we're going to do it in the middle of a mess. Are you with me? It's a mess. Our families and friends, they're a mess. Our workmates are a mess. Anybody want to argue with me? You know? Here's the cool part. Jesus came to show us. I did it in the mess. Amen? Amen. So guess what? Since Jesus did it in the mess, now I can do it in the mess. How, pastor? I don't know. That's between you and Jesus. 
It's not for me to tell you how to go into the mess. It's for you to get your act together and your connection between you and Jesus together. And he will show you how to go out into the mess. Amen? Amen. He'll do it so much more effectively than me. All right? Then, we, we, we studied last week that Jesus not only came in, in, in a family mess, but then his mama was an unwed mother. And we, we, we talked about this. Back then, we make it a cute little Christmas story. Back then, they stoned people for that stuff. Hey, are you with me? I mean, they, they killed people for that stuff. It's not like today where we just think it's the cutest thing in the world. We, back then, it was a serious issue. You know, and then mom and dad, the angel came to dad, so dad kept mom by his side, and they went to pay their taxes, and there was no room in the inn. And so Jesus, the creator, king of the universe, is born in a barn. What's that mess about? Could God not work out a better method of him entering the world? Once again, we make it a cute little story. Cute little Christmas. Oh, look at the major. The creator of our world, our savior, our Messiah, was born in a feeding trough. Wow. Well, pastor, once I get my act together, I'll become a disciple. Well, once I get above the garbage of my life right now, I'll become an effective Christian and member of your church. Yeah, right. And I'm running for Pope next week. It doesn't happen, friends. I'm sorry. That kind of stuff, that kind of stuff only happens in movies. And even though people that play it in the movies go out and commit suicide, think about it. It's not real. Quit living this ridiculous spiritual fantasy that that the church tends to kind of place on people. It's not real. We, while we're here in this world, we live in the middle of a mess. And sometimes our own personal lives are a mess. Are you with me? It's just, it's just reality. It just really, really is. But if you've got your Bibles open, something that stood out to my wife and she's reminded me of, and I hate that. Don't you all hate when you're preaching and your wife reminds you of stuff during the week? But in, chapter, in verse 17, it talks about the fact in the middle of this mess, there's this, there's this re- weird kind of thing that God writes that... There's 14 generations from Abraham to David and 14 generations from David to the Babylonian captivity and then 14 generations between the Babylonian captivity and Jesus. Almost sounds like a plan. Almost sounds like a plan. So what the word might be saying and what the preacher might be saying is 
even in the middle of your mess, God's got a plan. Now, too often in the church, we're taught that his plan and his methodology and his results are supposed to be my plan. What I want, the way I want it, when I want it. Here's the thing you need to understand. God's plan is his plan. And God does whatever is necessary when he decides is the right time. And God does whatever he's going to do the way he seems, sees best for it to be done. Are, are you with me? And that's hard for me. Because I don't know about you, but I like things done the way I want them done. Anybody else struggle with that? And if God really loved me, he'd do it my way. And you know what? I can turn on the television and I can find a preacher that will tell me that if I frame it right, God will do exactly what I want when I want it. I choose him. I've done that myself. Anybody else ever done that yourself? You tell people, well, A plus B equals C. The problem in, is in this whole God plan thing, A plus B doesn't equal C because the only thing that counts is God plus God equals God. And please listen, because this is very important in discipleship and evangelism. Are you with me? You know? And then in verse 21, it says, And you shall call this little boy that this little virgin uh, is impregnated with, you shall call his name Jesus. Not Jesus, Jesus. (laughs) For he will save his people from their sin. I've really struggled this week with a a construct for this sermon. You have to understand, every week I come in with about five hours worth of stuff. And and, and I told my wife before the service, she said, you seem quiet. You seem, I said, because I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to preach. I want to make sure I get this across to you very well. No matter what kind of a mess you're in, Jesus and Jesus alone can and will come and save you in the middle of whatever that mess is. Set you free from that. Place you in the right spot, right warm, safe place. That's The word here is soter. Sometimes the derivative is sozo for salvation. Um, and, and that's kind of what it means. Jesus sets us free. Jesus places us in the uh, right warm spot, a a safe spot. Um, um, And we're made right with God. It's cool stuff. You got that one? 
then I want you to understand. After that, no matter what mess comes along, he'll save you there too. I'll say it again, y'all must miss it. No matter what kind of mess comes along, and I wish I could tell you, you get saved and you get right with God and the messes don't come. And sometimes I don't understand the mess. Does anybody else struggle with that? Sometimes I look at God and say, what? What's this all about? And he honestly looks at me and says, because I'm really, I'm, I'm kind of a blunt person myself. He looks at me and says, you're too stupid to understand. Now, to Job, he said, my ways are higher than your ways and you're not going to understand. But, but Job was tender. Job, Job was obedient. Job was a Christian. He has to speak very bluntly to me. You're too stupid to understand. Okay, and it's true. I don't understand why the mess has come. Anybody else? Are you with me? Everybody's kind of asleep right now. You know? But what I want you to, what to get across is, no matter what, the saving glory of God is right there with you. He will bring whatever is necessary for your life right where you are. He will set you free. And He will give you victory whether that mess disappears or not. I went through quite a few years of extraordinary depression. Um, I, I didn't announce it too much to church people, but my family definitely caught the brunt of it. Um, every day, I just felt like my mind was just absolutely overwhelmed. Usually it ended up in frustration and anger and bitterness. Um, My heart, my emotions. It was just like there was an anchor in my heart and soul. And that's the best I can do to explain it. Maybe some of you have have experienced it. I I don't know. Um, In it... There were times where I would be very bitter and ugly to my wife and my son. Uh, sometimes my parents, because you're always nastiest to the people you're closest to. Did you ever notice that? Um, I can't explain all of that. There were days I would read the word and I would pray almost all day. And I felt nothing. I hope you can't relate to this. I really, I really do. I hope you can't relate to this. But, but I think this is important because maybe you can and maybe you're going through this right now. I don't know. Some of it's clinical. Some of it's spiritual. Some of it's emotional. Some of it's chemical. I don't know. It's not important. But every day, I would keep on praying. Are you with me? Every day, I would keep on reading God's word. Now, 
Let me, let me throw this caveat in. There were times I'd get done reading the word and praying, and I would get in my car, and I would start screaming at him. And I was so angry with God because I'm like, what stinking good are you? Because I wasn't feeling nothing. It, wasn't, it was like he didn't care. I, and I don't understand that. I, I don't understand that. I mean, as a loving father, if J.C.'s got a problem, I'm there. Boom. But here's what I've come to understand as God, as God has begun to lift me out of that. God knows what he's doing. God loves you, but doesn't really care what you think. He's going to do what is perfect. Whether it matches and syncs with what you think or not. Are you with me? But I want you to hear something. Jesus Christ, no matter how you feel. Jesus Christ, no matter how you think things ought to be done. Jesus Christ is always right there with you. No matter how tremendously difficult the mess might And Jesus Christ will do exactly what is necessary. He will perfectly do what is necessary in his perfect timing. Now listen to this. For your eternal good. I have no idea what that's all about. But I do know this. I am one cocky jerk. No, I am. Right? I mean, I don't go over walls. I run through walls. That's just who I am. I, I believe I can do anything. My wife is so smart. And she just thinks, oh, I just don't have much. I am so dumb. And I think I'm the smartest person on earth. That's just who I am. You know, that's just the difference in our personalities. You know? She was an A student, I was a C student, but I think I'm an A student, and she thinks she's a C student. <laughs> Jesus knew what I needed. Amen. When the mess comes, don't lose your confidence in Him. Amen. Because He knows what he has allowed to come into your life. And he knows why he has allowed it to come into your life. And the verse that she didn't know what I was saying, but that verse, that's God's grace is sufficient. And his power is perfected in your weakness. The best thing we can go through every once in a while is absolute and utter weakness. We come to the point where I ain't got no idea what to do with this. I have no idea how to overcome this. I have no idea, and everybody around me is an idiot. They all want to tell me what to do, and I ain't going to hear. 
You ever been there? But he's right there. And let me help you with this. The people around you know you're battling. Christian and non-Christian. And I want you to hear this. Christian and non-Christian understand because they go through battles too. And if you want to talk about discipleship and how to do discipleship, you need to hear this. What discipleship is, is allowing God's plan of salvation. The, seven, the fifth 14 and 14 and 14. And I will save my people from their sin. You need to let that come into your personal life. And even when you're going through the great hardships and battles, you need to quit doing a church facade saying, Oh, I'm great. And tell people, I'm really going through an awful time. And then what you do is you communicate the love and grace of God's salvation and his power. By the way, God sees you through that difficult time. And in that, they say, huh, well, maybe he can help me with my mess. Maybe he can help me with what I'm tortured with right now. Maybe he can help me with the things I've just given up on right now. And see, friends, that's evangelism. That's discipleship. In God's way, through our lives, Allowing God to do the great things that he wants to do for us. And allowing everybody around us to not only see the good things, but the hard things. And as God does his great work through in us and then through us, people begin to say, hmm, maybe there really is something to all this. Amen? Amen? As you walk out of here today, don't walk out of here and say, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. I'm begging you to go show somebody about Jesus. Let your life speak. And then God will give you the opportunity to let your lips speak. But if you get those backwards, lots of times you're repulsive to a lost world. Does that make sense to you? But what an opportunity. I think the greatest example for me and Lisa is back when our children died. And I had people come up to me and say, I'm in church today because we saw how God got you through that very, very, very difficult time. Had nothing to do with my preaching, had nothing to do with the music, had nothing to do with the program, had nothing to do... It just had to do with God's grace in our lives. Discipleship ain't hard. Discipleship is just you allowing God to work in you. And he will communicate his love and grace through you to a world that feels like I got no hope.
because I got a big mess. But when they see what God can do in our mess, maybe they'll begin to believe maybe God can help me with mine. Amen? Amen? Discipleship is just allowing God's plan of salvation to come into our lives. And somehow, it gets communicated that it can come into everybody else's life too. Amen? What an opportunity. What an opportunity. All the other stuff ain't working. But I believe that will. Amen? Amen? Let's stand. Father, speak to us today. Show us whether we are allowing you and that plan of yours of salvation to work. This is not hard. This is not theologian stuff. This is not preacher stuff. This is not, I've been in the church 400 years stuff. This is grace stuff. Father, show us whether your grace is working in our lives. Reveal it. Then, Lord, in praise and thanksgiving, help us to show a lost and helpless world, hopeless world, That your grace is sufficient for them too. No matter what the mess may be. Thank you Jesus. Thank you. And all God's people said.